Thanks for joining me in Chef East Sandbox. I'm April D. Scheffler. Last month, I was planning a trip, and one of the listings I came across for lodging was Lightning Ranch. The listing stated it was an intentional community and an eco-village practicing permaculture. Having already had my interview with James Atherton, the infamous Lost Atherton file, my interest was immediately piqued by the word permaculture. I booked Thanksgiving night at Lightning Ranch and eagerly awaited to see what Lightning Ranch was all about. I had no idea what an intentional community was, nor what an eco-village could possibly look like here in the U.S. What I found was a small group of hardworking individuals who were trying to live out their ideals of community, resourcefulness, and healthy living and healthy eating. They strive to take care of nature and in turn, uh, allow themselves to be taken care of by nature. As humans are themselves natural beings, part of nature, they want to take their rightful place to work within nature, not fighting it or fighting other humans. Unlike much of society, which seems to consider these workarounds or fixes to be uh, advancement. All right, so far from being backwards, I found them to be independent thinking, extremely intelligent people, very hospitable too. They invited my husband and I to share their communal Thanksgiving meal with them, and we had a good time with engaging conversation on hotbed topics of commercialism, health, medicine, consumerism, politics, and permaculture. This particular intentional community rinsed out the bedrooms in the main house, which had been built there years before they began their intentional community. Uh, they rent out the bedrooms in the main house for both short and long-term rentals to help subsidize their operations until their community can become more self-sustaining. Their residents live in cob or mud stucco homes on the grounds, and they come together for communal meals at the big house. One of my favorite moments was when Diana blew on a conch shell horn to signal supper was ready. Uh, I had no idea those things could be so loud. Uh, there's really no better description of what they're about or how they're doing it than their own words. Uh, I've included a link in the show notes to Lightning Ranch's listing on ic.org. I hope you'll check it out. Here's an excerpt that I thought was pretty stellar. We often think our civilization our civilization is the best that humans can create. But then why do so many have a sense that there is something not right about our culture and wonder why our world seems dull, lifeless, suffocating, and often downright ugly? Why do so many feel anxious, unsatisfied, unfulfilled, and even depressed while imagining there must be more to life than this. We try to come up with some answers. Current belief is about growth, globalization, 
economy of scale, efficiency, and consumerism. But an alternative view is to produce goods and services locally with products designed for very long life and communities to live within the local resources. Richard gave us a tour of the earth houses and his earth ship. So I apologize for the audio quality, but I hope you can still clearly hear what it is that he's saying. So you can see the polypropylene bags up there. We haven't covered them yet. And they're just stuffed with the clay. And then this wall is made out of the same clay mixed, um, let's see, two clay to three sand in water and straw. And then uh, we just literally, so this is what it looks like after it's been sifted. And then we add two parts of that to three parts sand, straw, water, until it's a big mud ball. And we just literally paste them <laughs> on the wall to fill in the bags. And then this one's been floated one time, so then we take a wet sponge and just go over it. And then uh, we'll put polyacrylic on it, just paint it on so that, see right now if you go like that, you, some dirt comes off, then the polyacrylic will hold it on. And when you go to the airship, I'll show you, we have the same walls down there. And then for the floor, the same mud, and it's called cob. When you mix sand and uh, clay together and put straw in. If you live in England, they call that cob. <laughs> Here we call it stucco, mud stucco, so I use either term. We put exactly the same floor down. And then we put three or four coats of linseed oil and that binds it together. And again, when we go to the airship, I can show you a finished floor, which you can wash. This is 150 square feet. It's 14 foot diameter on the inside. So it's a tiny house. And then we're doing two things here. One, we're doing an intentional community. So if people want to come and live here and help with the farm work and things like that, they can, in which case they can live in these if they want. But until we get them, we'll probably rent them out as Airbnb. Because they're around, when the wind comes, the wind just goes right around them and it's real quiet. Mm -hmm. And they have a real nice energy to them. And then if you've got kids, they can sleep up there. <laughs> okay, so that was my next question. Like, How many people would, would be expected to, to live in, in this space? It would be good for one. Mm -hmm. Two would be really crowded. If you had a family of four, that would be, <laughs> be tough. But you can make these any size, and they don't have to be round. You can make them square also. And, uh, but we thought round looked really cute, and so we did them round. We found on the outside, this is the same mud stucco, but the rain washes it off. So we went to a, um, a lime stucco. So this is, what is it, three-part sand, one-part lime. And this is just the first coat. Actually, we need to do a lot of work. And if you walk over to this one, you can see what it looks like when you finish it. And lime is a traditional <coughs> material that was used before concrete and cement. And the, so the lime is good because if it rains on it, it just runs down. But they found if you put a concrete stucco against these earth bags, the concrete will actually cause the water to build up in the walls. And then the walls turn to mud and they fall down. But if you put lime on it, lime pulls the moisture out 
and it doesn't fall down. <laughs> so it's really important to use a lime stucco and not a mud stucco. Now the mud stucco up there is fine because the rain can't get to it. And Donald, that guy you met, he's living yeah, in this one right now. Told me he was living in this one. So we get electricity from solar panels and the wind turbine. And then it um, <clears throat> is stored in batteries, so during the night. And if the wind's not blowing, then we still have electricity. And then once in a while, we need a backup generator. So there is a propane generator, but I haven't used it in several years. And then we do rainwater collection into a 10,000 gallon cistern. So after the Cobb houses, uh, Richard then took us to see his earth ship. And we're just working on recocking the windows there. And there's the 10,000 gallon cistern. Mm. And uh, it's got a gutter. We can walk around back in a minute. And you can see how it collects the water and puts it over there. This is called a passive solar thermal mass house. It's passive solar because the heating is the sun coming in. Mm -hmm. And in the winter, the sun is low, so we get lots of sun. In the summer, the, the sun's overhead, so we don't get as much. But I've still found that we get way too much reflected heat. So we're thinking of maybe grape arbor or something here. We're thinking about how to get a lot of that heat from going in the windows or maybe awnings over it. I'm not sure. Something like that. It's got a planter in the front. And so all the gray water actually goes in and waters the plants here, then goes outside and waters the stuff out there. Okay. And we don't have a septic system, we have a composting toilet. And so we don't have black water. And I pretty much hand built all the cabinets, not the furniture, of course. And then, so this is tire stacked up. Did you see the pictures in there? No. Oh, I'll show you some pictures. So there's 800 tires down that wall, around the back, on that wall, and on that, this, the far wall that you can't see. But when I was doing it, I learned about earth bag, like the other house. So this is an earth bag wall. And this actually has concrete stucco on it. And then this is earth bag. And then this is the same stucco. So you can see what it'll feel like when it's done. And then this is what the floor looks like when it's got linseed oil on it. Okay. And the reason it's not all um, the mud stucco floor is because when we were building this in 2004, I believe, when we were doing the floors, it was raining every day. And this is, you know, just water and mud, and it has to evaporate. And it doesn't evaporate while it's raining. So we laid this sautillo tile in concrete because it will harden in high humidity, just so we could walk and work on the house. So it wasn't supposed to have sautillo tile, but... That's what it has. Who's the artist? And then this is where the electricity comes into. So the solar panels come in. This is called the charge controller. So the middle panel goes here, the two outside panels, the wind turbine goes here. Charge controlling means it puts the charge into the battery, but then when the batteries are full, it shuts down so it doesn't ruin the batteries. And then this is the inverter. 
So solar panels and batteries are DC, and then we want AC, so this converts DC to AC. It's called an inverter. And you can think of this house as a big RV. So these lights are 12 volts, the refrigerator's 12 volts, the pump is 12 volts, and then we have the inverter, and so the washing machine is 110 volts. And so our outlets, kind of every other one is 12 volts, and then 110. I, I wouldn't do it that way again, but that's the way this one is. <laughs> it's a big RV. And then uh, back here is the bedroom. So again, tire wall there, tire wall here. And then we are buried up to here, actually up to about here. We're underground, so it's mm. like a big womb. So it's really temperature stable. We don't have air conditioning in this. And I, when I built it in the 2000s, I always lived in Montana in the summer, so it didn't matter. And actually, I'm still doing that. But in the summer of 2011, when it was 108 every day, it was 84 here, which is really hot, but it's not as bad as some houses would be. So here's some pictures of building it. So there's what all the tire work. Oh, wow. And you can see I was a lot younger, <laughs> 15, 16 years ago. And so each tire, we put it in place, put cardboard in the bottom, start throwing dirt in, and then we had an electric jackhammer with a ball on the bottom, and the ball would squish it out until we'd get 300 pounds, and then we'd take a, a, a transit with a you know, a stick and we get it completely level and then we do the next one and that was a lot of work. <laughs> but these are all tires that came out of the landfill. Mm -hmm. So it was a good use of them. So this thing collects its water and then it processes the gray water and the toilet is a composting toilet, which we then compost and put on our field to help the grass grow for the cows that we hope to have. This is a fig tree here, and uh, it's got a couple of figs over there. That's a mulberry. We plan on taking cuttings and moving these outdoors. You can just cut this off and put it in water with a rooting hormone, and it'll make roots. Mm -hmm. And uh, same with the mulberry. And so these can survive outdoors, so we'll move those outdoors. And then this is ginger that we finally got to grow. That won't grow outdoors. and I mean, it'll die in the winter here. So we want to get a lot of ginger growing. And then this is a banana plant, which does pretty well, but we haven't been able to get bananas off of it. So what does it take to run a house? You need water, food, so we can grow a little food here, but mostly the food's grown outside. Collects water. Energy comes from the solar panels. Um, shelter, well, the whole thing's shelter. Heat. So it does get cold in here in the winter if the sun's not shining, so we're going to put a wood-burning stove right there and go out with a chimney. Hmm. And then if we do try to live here in the summer, they now make an air conditioner. It's actually a heat pump or a mini-split, if you know what mini-splits are. <clears throat> I guess it just means that you've got your condenser outside. and It's, it's like a, a traditional air conditioner, but it'll go either way. It'll pump... In the winter, it'll pump heat out of the air and put it in the house. 
And then in the summer, it'll pump heat out of the house. So it's a bi-directional heat pump. For some reason, they call them mini splits. At any rate, they've been around for a long time. They work really well in Texas and they're really popular, but they usually have to have 110 volts all the time. But they now have one that runs straight off solar panels. So I was going to get that. And then, you know, the hotter and brighter the day, the more electricity you have. So it's perfect balance. It, so the, the hotter it is, the more air conditioning you get. So this is for collecting water and it just comes in and goes in this gutter. And it comes over here. right there and you can see where it comes out at the cistern. And then the wind turbine's got a cable over and that's where the batteries are. So it's just like an RV. It's got six volt. It's got four six volt batteries so two in series and then the two and two series strings in parallel to get 12 volts and then this is the pump house here there's a floating cistern filter in there that <clears throat> the filters if the surface is here the filters like right there and that's the cleanest water and so when the pump runs it sucks it out of that that filter and then it goes through a couple more filters. So the pump is on the wall. That little tiny thing is the pump. Mm -hmm. And then that's a pressure tank. And then it goes through those two filters. I see that needs to be changed. I always hate getting in there because I got to look for snakes and spiders <laughs> and blocks and you know, the whole nine yards. And then the filtering, we use that for washing and, you know, showers. And then it goes through reverse osmosis to make drinking water. And then we built a garage to match, but there's nothing special about that. It's just made out of regular two-by-fours. No tires involved. <laughs> no tires. But I tried to make the style, of course, match this. Mm -hmm. And that's the Earthship. Alright, so I'm standing here with my husband. We are at Lightning Ranch uh, exploring some of the grounds. And um, we were told that there were several trails and um, we never really happened to find out where those trails were. <laughs> so we just started out. And uh, we saw, we wokened, awakened this morning to see three bunny rabbits were so cute outside our window. And uh, now that we're on our hike, we haven't really seen much of anything yet except for uh, some cactus that was been breakfast for somebody, some creature. Did you ever find out why it's called Lightning Ranch? No. And it's cold. I forgot to mention that. What's the temperature out here? It's like 54 degrees. Right now? Right now. Well, I can tell you me. I'm sorry, 45 degrees. That's what 
was like 50 something dozens. <laughs> that doesn't sound all, and that makes it sound like little wimps, wimps. which we are. <laughs> However, <laughs> it is a little cool, especially when the wind picks up. Two days after our stay at Lightning Ranch, I asked the Akashic Records, what is, this, what is the significance of the time 5.55 that I saw yesterday and today? The answer is kind of lengthy. It says, uh, five is the number of togetherness of being invested in a communal goal or vision of togetherness in areas of community, effort, vision, love, unity, singularity, or purpose and direction. The collective's effort is worth investigation. As you will find, there is personal and individual fulfillment and unique service within a community that serves all or seeks to have a holistic approach to child rearing, wellness, and life purpose. You witnessed an effort, one community's exercise in trying to manifest their inner goals and values in an external, tangible way. Although imperfect, their effort and contribution is to be applauded. More will come towards this light of collectiveness, of working together, harder, but we'll find it worthwhile and rewarding because they will be doing so in service to one another. They will feel fulfillment in being an important puzzle piece in the beautiful picture of an intentional community. Seek the relationship between self and community. Blessings are bestowed on those who put themselves in service to others in their own inner path. Lighthouses. Following one's own inner light and allowing it to shine unabashedly in front of others saves passing ships from wrecking on the rocky shores of dissatisfaction, burnout, and disappointment. Even if one doesn't stay in an intentional community, the lessons learned of combined energies making big projects possible is an invaluable story that they will integrate into their own life story and become more empowered by the fuel of this memory being remembered, that we are all part of universal love and that the collective's collective strength, lessons and power are ours for the asking, for the remembering at all times it is needed. So after I recorded um, what came through in that Akashic Records, I did an internet search on the meaning of 555, and um, maybe some of you have more knowledge of numerology than I do, but it seems that a lot of it comes down to distilling any number to a single digit number. So you would take the numbers and add them all up. So five plus five plus five gives you 15. That's still a two-digit number, so you're going to have to distill it down even further. You take those two numbers, add them together. One plus five gives you six. So finally, you have a, a single-digit number. What's the meaning of six uh, is what numerology seeks to answer. 
And I can't find the websites now, but if I remember correctly, six seems to speak to humanity and harmony. So I thought that was pretty spot on. Now, you may have no intention whatsoever of living in a stucco home or growing your own food. You may want to keep your career, your commute, and your processed foods and may simply look for co-housing in what you would consider a normal home. If that's the case, the Foundation for Intentional Communities has something for you too. Their directory has all kinds of advanced search criteria. Do you want to own, rent, or do a work exchange for your housing? Do you want to live in a rural, urban, or a suburban community? Do you want a community that has a shared religious practice, such as Christian or agnostic? If so, which faith? Do you want to be a part of a community in which alcohol and tobacco are allowed? How do you want decisions to be made for the community? Do you want your children to be homeschooled, schooled on-site, or educated in public schools? Do you want to be a part of a community that grows all, some, or none of its own food? Do you want to be a part of a community that's on-grid or off-grid? The directory has uh, what it says to be 1,500 plus different intentional communities around the globe. So there really is something for everybody. And, you know, if there's not something that uh, fits you like a glove, then what's to keep you from starting your own intentional community, right? <laughs> I think that simply being aware that there are people just like me and you trying to live more connected lives, connected to the natural world around us and connected to each other, I think that's so inspirational. And it's one of the reasons I'm so glad I have a podcast in which I can share these discoveries with you. Thank you so much for joining me in Sheffy's Sandbox. And until next time, much love. One thing I'll be exploring in the podcast in 2021 is my human design chart. If you are interested in participating in this discussion in any way, I would love for you to send me your own human design chart. That way, if we have some of the same gates or channels activated, I could bring you into the discussion and get your perspective on how you feel that gate or channel is showing up in your experience. If this interests you, the place to start would be to go to mybodygraph.com or jovianarchive.com to get your own free chart. Your confidence is an honor and I will never share anything about your chart without your permission. As always, if you have ideas as to people you would like to hear interviewed on this podcast, or you have a dream you'd like me to take a stab at interpreting, email me at thesandboxpod at gmail.com.